You are listening to episode 208 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we get destroyed in a whole new dimension in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Contra Legacy of War on the PlayStation 1. And uh, Ryan, I think you uh, were telling me earlier that emphasis on a little bit here for this game. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit. This was a tough one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm no stranger to Contra, as many of our listeners are no stranger to Contra. And I notoriously am very bad at Contra. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are bad at Contra, actually. So the last time... I played a Contra game was adjacent of Corpse Flood Gaming, and it was, I think, Contra 3 on the Super Nintendo. And there's like a top-down view that you do. And uh, that was difficult then. This is difficult now. And I don't know how uh, I feel about it. The isometric angle doesn't help much, but we'll definitely get into that more during the inflation deflation challenge. Yep. So uh, first, let's, of course, let the people know where they can find us at Facebook, which would be, uh, well, I don't know why I said at Facebook, but on Facebook and Instagram at the Is Game it Deflators. Meta now? No, it's it's technically it still fa- Facebook. Meta they just changed the, cor- the company name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't ever go there. <laughs> Well, either way, they can find us on there uh, at the Game Deflators, and then on Twitter, uh, Baby Musk and his uh, new platform. Uh, you can find us at Game Deflators on there. Uh, where else can they find us? Uh, you can find us on the podcast app you're listening to now. We technically have a YouTube channel if you want to hear audio on there. Up to you. Um, we're a little far behind on that one. I think we're on episode 168 so far in uploading. It's just pain in the ass, Ryan. And then uh, our out of date website, thegameinflators.com. Um, and then of course, leave us a five-star review. That's always nice. Yeah. And, uh, let us know that we sent you. What? <laughs> that, what? <laughs> We're our own referrers. Yes. That's what this comes down to. All right. So let's get started on, uh, the lack thereof recent pickups and currently playing. Uh, so I did not pick up any games this week of any fashion, no magic, no board games, no, uh, no separate card games, no Yu-Gi-Oh, which I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh, but no Yu-Gi-Oh involved in that. Nothing. I had absolutely nothing. But I did play a little bit of Magic. I was out of town. Um, and one of my best friends that I've known for many, many years happened to be in town as well with me. So he went ahead and stayed a few nights at, at my hotel uh, for a conference that I was at. And we just played Magic and watched Sick. anime. And uh, so he had a, he had an artifact deck that he had been making for years. I had a couple standard decks and we just spent most nights when I was done with my conference stuff playing magic, which was cool, dude. Like it's been five years since I saw him five years since he actually played a game of magic. So to be able to just sit back and chit chat and play over cards like old times is a lot of fun. Yeah, so that was that it sounds me. like a good time. I uh, I've never played magic in a hotel, but I'm sure that of the places to play magic, that is one of the more common. Well, uh, they had a small little round table that was in the corner of the room. So we uh, we had two queens and a cr- oh, my God. OK, hold on. I got to talk about this real quick while I'm currently playing uh, the most amazing toilet I have ever seen. Ryan, like twenty five hundred dollar toilet. I looked it up. 
at this hotel. It was one of those, you know, the Japanese toilets with the bidet and all that whole crazy setup on it. But it had like the wall unit in like 10 different settings. Mm. Dude, that was ridiculous. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so it was like the talk of our event. Like if there was one thing people could get out of this event, not even the fact of like the material we talked about or the networking. Like we had so many people talking about this damn toilet (laughs) that was in everyone's room. It was ridiculous. Uh, Blow dryer, different settings, like crazy. A butt warmer. I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how you do it. We got one of those as just like a seat attachment. Yeah, which I need to ask you where and how much for that seat attachment. So I think it was like a couple hundred bucks online. And then you got to pay to get like an extra like uh, outlet or something for it because nobody has an outlet next to their toilet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you had to redo your electrical for that area. Yeah. Mm. That's well, not something I'm going to do. Yeah, it's not something I'm going to do either, but but that uh, wasn't even that much. Yeah, that's only a few hundred bucks to kind of reroute a wire. So, yeah, um, I think I'm going to be looking into this. Totally was, worth it. Totally. Oh, worth oh yeah, it. that was 100 percent worth Dude, to just sit down and not have to do anything. You're just like, yep, I'm good. Every now time I'm, I go to the bathroom, it reminds me of Japan. <laughs> well, uh, since I've never been to Japan, every time I go, it'll remind me of that random hotel in Orlando I went to <laughs> every single time. Uh, but that's all I had. So I guess pick up and, and drop offs technically. Go on. <laughs> so uh, for me this week, I picked up this new game, Gunfire Reborn, on Game Pass, and I've been playing a ton of that. It's a first person shooter roguelite. Uh, you have. A bunch of different characters that you unlock in the game that all play pretty different. Like the main guy you start off with has uh, like an energy orb that he shoots that will time freeze a guy and do damage and then like smoke grenades. And then as you beat each room, as you progress, you kind of get different rewards. So you can get random gun drops with different randomized um you know things on them that do different things like increase crit or give you higher rate of fire or give you increased like lucky shot chance which is like crit but does like multiple times the damage instead um there's lots of different stats and things. And as you progress through, you unlock more. There's a whole talent tree of using the currency that you can keep when you die to unlock things that increase your odds of future success, like increased health shield, uh, ammo capacity, uh, better inscriptions on your guns, which are like the things that change the values or give them special properties. There's like a whole system for having like two really souped up guns that have the same Gemini inscription that match. It makes it so they use each other's something or other. I don't know. I haven't done that part yet, Uh, but all the characters are really different and really cool. Um, There's a lot of different items that you unlock as you go. Some of the builds seem really interesting and dynamic and, I'm always kind of like picking up something new and different and being like, oh, wow, you know, I guess this this could be really crazy if you use it in this way. Or you find like a weapon that like, why is this glove? This glove doesn't do very much damage. It shoots really fast. It's like an Iron Man glove. But then when you get the character who, uh, you know, their damage multiplies and hits other enemies when they're all marked with a thing and you build up stacks by shooting you want something that's going to shoot like a ton of ammo really quickly. 
but sometimes you'll be on a run like that and you'll find like some crazy like oh here's like this super crit bow that just does gobs of damage like you don't really need anything other than to just nurse this sit back and don't die so the run uh differences are really fun and it's been soaking up a lot of my time and it was on game pass so it didn't take anything from me very nice except for you know regular game pass money yeah and i'm I'm looking it up because i'm kind of curious if i've seen this before and i'm pretty sure i have not seen it before so that's interesting i think i remember it in like a sizzle reel or something um but it, it's definitely pretty good. Um, I know Pentiment's going to come out in a couple weeks, so I might check that out. I downloaded, like I said, Persona a few weeks ago, but I haven't turned that on. I just, I and I haven't been able to get back into God of War. I know that all the reviews are starting to come out and the YouTube people that have gotten a hold of theirs and everybody's like, oh, like, it's a total spoiler. Everything's a spoiler because it just, I guess it probably just picks up like right after the last one left off or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see how that, you know, that's how they did it in three, you know, right after two ended, you were like on the back of a Titan and then three starts off with you on the back of that Titan. And it's like, okay, well I definitely have to finish this first one before I go too deep, but I just, I just haven't. I don't know when I'm going to pick up the game. It'll probably be sometime summer of next year that i'll end up mm. picking it up just because i you know me i don't like buying games at 60 70 bucks brand new if i can help it yeah uh, while i am sure it is a fantastic game and it is well worth the 60 70 dollars i have so much on my plate right now as is between a newborn and well really a two-month-old at this point and everything else that's going on in my life i'm just not gonna have time to sit back and play it so yeah why why, spend the money why spend the money now when i'm probably not gonna end up playing until probably like summer anyways so Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of a reason for my no pickups recently um just because i I just don't have time yeah (laughs) that's all it is uh i do have time to play occasionally but this week was obviously a different case um all right so we kind of have a little bit of a new segment here uh that we started i guess last week really where we just kind of chat a little bit about other things that are non-gaming related uh it kind of helps us split things up as far as pickups and you know currently playing and all that and just have like a little dedicated piece and so you know i'm, I'm happy to quickly kick this one off um because it's not much so of course i'm watching one piece still How and far? i am on episode it's been a little bit since i picked it up but i started again the other day i'm on like episode 368 and it's with uh, Moira on there, and then the um, <clears throat> and Ors, the giant colossus. Oh, Ors! Yeah, yeah that's yeah. crazy. I am not a fan of this arc so far. I'm just not like the whole. I like, remembered what the name of it is: Killer Bark. Yeah. Um, well, no, I think it's Thriller Bark. Thriller Bark. Thrill Thriller, as in like Thriller Bark. That's yeah, right. Thriller Bark. Um, I'm not a fan of the arc so far. It's super annoying. It's probably my least favorite arc so far, and. Um, I think the main reason is like the laughing from Moira and the laughing from all the other characters that like, you know, she, 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 that mm-hmm. laughing they do. It just annoys the shit out of me. Yeah. I, I had, read the manga through that part. So <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, there's the Foxy pirates portion of the, yeah. of the show. And like that annoyed the hell out of me. Cause it was all like trickery and everything. You had like the Foxy pirates were just oh, cheating. That was and also, great. 
No, it was it was terrible. Like it, it was, was like wacky races and like old school like cartoon homage. It was one hundred percent filler. So, you know, it's it's filler. But it's then in now, the manga. The Foxy Pirates? No, it's supposed to be filler. I mean, I've been looking at filler stuff. Foxy Pirates is supposed to be. It's not canon to manga at all. Apparently, it's not I mean, even canon to the anime. So. Either way, I hate the laughing on that. And then now it's like every single character in this arc does that laugh. And that laugh is it's so annoying. It's so frustrating. The 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 lack of action, because like the whole time Luffy is chasing around the shadow from Moira and there's just no action tied to it. Like the best action I've seen so far was that of Zoro fighting like the samurai ghost guy that had taken Brooks uh, shadow. And that was it. That, yeah. That's the only good action that I've seen in this arc. Everything else has just been trash. So definitely not a fan of the arc so far. Maybe um, it changes my mind. A lot of people really like done. the thriller bark. Yeah, I think it's garbage so far. It just it doesn't do it for me in this arc. So uh, that that was that. Now, I will say, though, I started another little anime subbed. You'll be proud of me. I started Chainsaw Man. Nice. I watched the first uh, episode. I am caught up on it. And uh, so I knew about this one a while back. Justin actually shared it with me. Yeah. And this one's talked so hype. much about. Yeah. This is, I mean, if you're into, you know, subbed anime, uh, Chainsaw Man is the shit. Like, it is really good. And uh, it's just hilarious. It's like crude comedy with action. And it kind of it hits all the boxes or checks all the boxes for me uh, mm-hmm. in an anime. So I'm really excited with it. And, um, you know, I'll be keeping up with it on Tuesdays whenever new episodes come out. So I think Crunchy rolls like what after thirty minutes or something they release new episodes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I it's been a while since I've been into like keeping up with live releases for anime. Yeah, so um, Ernest actually had a subscription account to Crunchyroll, and I think you get two people in there at once. So I gave him my Funimation info. He gave me his Crunchyroll info, and so now we're gonna be you know watching lots of anime password buddies password buddies uh so that's that's what i did uh you know that's not tied to video games i got something pretty cool so all right last night i went to uh the celebrity theater to see one comedian tom segura and he's recording his netflix special and celebrity theater is in the round so they had cameras at all angles, and I am in the floor area, like, seating. So I'm definitely most likely going to be on Netflix, probably, if they use that taping. And I think they are using that taping because they were saying that, like, some people ruined, like, the earlier taping. Why is that? Like, how uh, they... So because it's, like, in the round and everything, and you can see everything, and, like... If anybody gets up, they were like, nobody can get up and go to the bathroom. Really? They were like, if you get up and leave, you can't come back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because it's like interrupting and like he's trying to film this, you know, for Netflix. And there's cameras going like in all directions. So if you could see somebody like walking, that's like distracting. So that could be a cool thing. And I was like, damn it. I wish I had worn the podcast shirt. I wish I had. 
a hat with our logo on it or something. <laughs> All of it. I mean, you should just do that anyway. So whenever you go to big events. Yeah, exactly. I know. I definitely like I, I wouldn't have been able to wear the billboard hat, obviously. And they made us do like the phone in the bag thing. Oh, mm-hmm. OK. But you didn't take off your secret spy glasses at records. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that, man? Just like recording on your glasses for a show like that. Yeah. But yeah, I wear my podcast shirt whenever I go to any big events. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, it was cold, so I was wearing a jacket anyways. We so had to wait outside for a little bit. What you're saying is we need Game Deflators leather jackets, too. Kind of like biker gang style, you know, <laughs> but get Game Deflators with patches. Right. You know, on the right hand sleeve, it'll just be like Nintendo and PlayStation logos. I could just see us in a biker bar telling yeah. people about ah, ride to hell retribution's garbage <laughs> oh man ryan all that time playing some hell singer <laughs> all right so yeah that's what i got so be on the lookout for your boy on tom segura's new special i was wearing uh, a hat and an ava jacket and i had a red shirt a red shirt i'm surprised you're still here with us for all those people out there, it's a Star Trek reference. Oh, not that kind of red shirt. <laughs> Coincidentally, I'm wearing one right now. Well, okay. So uh, this week we got some interesting uh, articles to talk about. Uh, really just interesting news in general. Uh, and for once, it actually kind of all flows together. When I was reading through, I'm like, this all is t- like it fits everything. Sometimes we just have like crazy news, like all scattered. But this is... Yeah, pretty seamless. So uh, the first one is Kojima rejects eh, ridiculously high acquisition offers to stay independent. Uh, We're also going to talk about PlayStation Plus losing nearly 2 million subscribers uh, since uh, that relaunch. And then Xbox has changed its tone on Game Pass. So the first one here is uh, by Michael Beckwith, and that's Metro.co.uk. And it's about Kojima. So uh, Kojima was on a recent podcast where they asked him specifically about, um, you know, just what he's doing. And one of the things that was brought up uh, was around acquisitions and companies looking to pretty much procure his services via acquisition of his studio. And, you know, I think the key thing here and really what his response was, was that he like, while yes, the money is great. He is really not that interested in just money. He is interested in being able to make games that he loves and games well, and that he wants to Not even just games. He wants yeah, to just, be able to do other things. Yeah, anything he wants. And and by being with a studio like a Sony or a Microsoft, there's that added pressure of the companies telling him what he can and can't do. Yeah, and exactly. So, and he technically, it's interesting, he identifies as an indie gaming company, yeah. um, which which is great. I mean, he's obviously one of the larger ones and one of the more successful indies out there. But, uh, you know, and I think the money still comes with it, right? Like he's making exclusive titles for other companies, right? Like Microsoft probably make money off of them without having to give up any of his creative control. Like that's what this is all about for this man. Absolutely. And, you know, probably recognizes I can make more money. Like instead of an acquisition, I can make more money by being an independent and getting contracts for timed exclusivity or even just exclusivity in general. I can do whatever the hell I want. I can work whenever I want. I can release things whenever they need to be released. And there's nobody that can tell me otherwise. And if Uh, he's getting these kind of offers now when they don't really own 
any like killer IP. Like they've only got like a couple things under their hat. Like 10 years from now when they've got, you know, three or four things that they've done or in the pipeline, like it's really going to be like, okay, now it's worth like way more than what you guys were offering me, you know, right back then. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's part of it, right? Like let's lowball Kojima and he said ridiculously high offers too, right? So what does ridiculously high mean nowadays? And maybe he's, you know, Maybe he's lying. Maybe he's not getting ridiculously high offers. Maybe they're, you know, offers, but not sky high. And he's just kind of increasing his value, right? To say, oh, look, you know, Nintendo's offering me this. Sony's offering me that. Um, and, and trying to increase value of, of his, you know, overall company, which is great uh, if he's trying to take that um, that avenue as well. But I think he's a smart guy, right? He, he's not an idiot. He definitely knows that he can get, you know, a briefcase of money from Sony to release something exclusively. And Sony is actively paying for exclusives. They've done so for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think one of the things that I really do admire about this, though, is the fact that he wants to remain independent. You know, I think that's kind of a big thing there. You have all these acquisitions occurring all around and he's just like, no, I, I'm just in this for the art. I know I'm going to make money and that's really how I want it to be. And I can kind of admire that from a game developer. Yeah, he said it like pretty bluntly. So as long as I'm alive, I don't think I will ever accept those offers. Yeah. So this well, is a long run thing for him. I think that Kojima is in the place that he wants to be. And I think we have a lot of years of good stuff from him to look forward to. Well, if I recall, I'm pretty sure he did kind of leave the door open, though. Um, I'm trying to find the uh, the last thing here. Um, no, I don't see it here. I want to say that he said um, for now that that's what's going on, right? Like for now, he wants to stay exclusive. So, you know, I think down the road like you said there is an opportunity for him to to sell that company and become part of a a larger organization but yeah i mean right now it just doesn't make sense right yeah and uh the other thing kind of an update here so they do call out a little bit of the next project that he's working on that overdose uh there was like a leak online the other day of a shirtless guy recording like a a laptop screen with a video of like four minutes of footage playing on it. So, uh, you know, that could be coming up soon. We'll see. I know that there's going to be some more gaming stuff coming up here before the end of the year, the game awards and everything. So we'll, uh, we'll see if that gets announced or or shown off some more there. We also have to consider via game deflators, uh, game of the year nominations too. Mm. And also our game of the new year games resolution. Yeah, we always every year we have our own little. Well, yeah, games but we we're play. not going to talk about like that's what I'm saying. He's going to maybe show off this new game at the end of the year. No, I know, I know. I'm just you mentioned game of the year and game awards oh, and all that. So it's not even Thanksgiving, John. It's too soon. I, hey, no, it is never too soon to start thinking about what I want to play next year. <sighs> that's too much. I'm not much. ready for that commitment. Uh, I don't think you've ever been ready for those commitments. I, I did it this year. This year I killed it. You took easy street, man. Hey, what are you talking about? Dante's Inferno? That's a full on game. And I did hard mode because I didn't get like the good combo from the beginning. So I went through the whole game just mashing like two hit hard combo. 
I'm going to need you to play some sort of like 80 hour RPG. No. Why don't you do that? You haven't done uh, okay. that. Okay. Okay, fine. I will. Oh, no, you oh. did Suikoden. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. I did Suikoden 2, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I played Shenmue, which is like a 20-hour game. I've got you beat, Ryan. And uh, Ocarina of Time, I played RPGs in, in these challenges. Uh, what was it that I said I was going to play, though? I think Ocarina it was a of PS1. Time is not an RPG. Ocarina of Time is totally an RPG. It's not like in the essence of JRPG where it's, you know, turn-based combat, but it's technically an action game, action RPG. Let's double check this. It's an action adventure. Action adventure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Let's I see. guess you do get like different equipment and stuff. Uh, that's kind of what I look at it as. And then you yeah. obviously level up your, uh, um, what do you call it? Let's see. Let's see. We're going to go to Wikipedia because Wikipedia is all knowing. You get more uh, cards and stuff. Okay, yeah. fine. You win. It's action adventure, but I still consider it like an RPG. His RPG elements, but what the fuck doesn't these days? Exactly. Yeah. You could have like a first person shooter has RPG elements nowadays. Uh, Fallout, for example. Well, that's also uh, third person. Gunfire Reborn. <laughs> yeah, Gunfire Reborn. There you go. All right. Uh, next piece here is PlayStation Plus loses nearly 2 million subscribers months after relaunch. This is John Walker at Kotaku. I don't think we've ever had a John Walker article from Kotaku. Uh, but uh, really what it kind of comes down to is Sony had like 47.9 million subscribers like in June or so. And then over the last quarter, that is now like 45.9 million subscribers, which, by the way, is nearly double what Microsoft has on Game Pass. So basically, but the interesting thing, though, is the company's also seen a 10% increase in revenue. So what's ended up happening here is several things. And this is what is talked about uh, within this piece is you have folks that obviously post pandemic, not as many gamers, right? So mm -hmm. not necessarily not as many gamers, but less time spent on games. So subscriptions have dropped off from that. Uh, you have people that have decided they just don't want it in general. Uh, you have Microsoft, which is not necessarily tagged in here, but you know, Microsoft has seen an increase of 7 million over the course of the last year or so. And their subscriber base. So you got to imagine some people defected over to Microsoft um, and that's where they are now for their game pass um, offers. And then on top of that, just a lot of people are not big fans of this whole like tiered system too. So ultimately ended up leaving from that and, and everything that's kind of come from there. So net net is they've lost 2 million subscribers, whereas Microsoft has gained seven. Mm -hmm. uh, however, because of a tiered system and the additional revenue that is gained from that, uh, it's kind of balanced out. Um, but they're saying, you know, don't anticipate this type of growth in terms of revenue on a quarter by quarter annual basis, because, well, you know, frankly, they're potentially, I think, going to lose more subscribers as Microsoft continues to grow in their area. So definitely interesting to see this occurring. Um, and it's also I didn't realize that Sony had that many subscribers on their service. And for some reason, I thought it was much less than that. Yeah, that's the thing that was the most shocking to me, too, was that there's just like, OK, wow, they're double Game Pass's numbers, but nobody ever talks about it. I guess it's just like, you know, people are on there and they just don't make a big deal about it. You know, I mean, I had Game Pass for a long time and I would sign in once a month. I would download the games. I wouldn't play them like it was just kind of the thing that I did. And I have a feeling a lot of people do that. So, you know, it makes sense that some of those people would jump ship because they'd be like, eh, 
I don't really use it. And then the other people would be like, eh, I guess I'll go for the highest tier and I'll have access to all these PlayStation one games, but there just really hasn't been the follow through that they've been saying that they would have. Like there's not like all these PSP games and PS one games and, you know, stuff coming through. It's a lot of stuff that, you know, people aren't really that here for, or we've already seen like a million times before. It's not really new. It's just here it is again. So I just, I don't think that anybody is excited about it. And unless they could do something like, like, I know they don't want to give away their big games, but um, uh, what's his name? Um, Matt Booty or whatever from Microsoft. He was on the friends per second podcast and they were talking to him and he was saying that, you know, in their mind, they see game pass as like, a way for people to have options like hey you want to buy that game go ahead you want to play it on game pass go ahead like i have a feeling if they put you know god of war on ps plus like people would still buy it yeah people would get it on ps plus and i bet that you'd get at least two million people coming over to ps plus because they'd be like hey that's cheaper than buying it so that makes up for that whole deficit on its own right there with just one game. And, and honestly, that's, that's what, what people they should would do. want. Yeah, they, that's they what should people would that. want. Options. Yeah, they, they should be putting God of War on there. Like I can imagine. And here's the thing. If they were to put God of War, say, two months from now, you realize how many people you're going to piss off by doing that? Like that's they missed opportunity for sure. Like there are some AAA games that they should automatically just put on the highest tier. Yeah. And it's a day one release and you're good. I mean, maybe they have, I, I haven't checked the highest tier. It's not something I've been paying attention to, but you know, if you put some of those triple A games on there, you're going to get people who are like, well, shoot, like I could spend 20 bucks a month, have access to all these great games or 15, whatever it comes out to. And I get to play this game on day one release. Awesome. Like they're going to jump on there and they may not. And here's the thing. If that's all they play for the next three or four months, then you've pretty much like they're going to see the value and like, oh, cool. Like I played God of War and I beat it over the last like three months or however long it took me to play it. I didn't have to spend $70 up front. And now I've got all these other great titles that I can jump into. So people see the full value from that. And then year over year, if you're automatic renewals, you're going to get them on there longer. So yeah, it, it's kind of a no brainer, I would think, to do that. But it seems that they're not doing that. So yeah. Um, what else could be a hit could this? be a miss we'll see i mean with the numbers that they have now like they really don't have anything to worry about but we'll see moving forward yeah well um our next article here that we're going to talk about is uh, xbox changing its tone on game pass and this is christopher dring at uh, GameIndustry.biz. and so uh the overall concept here is, you know, it kind of dives into not only Game Pass and their subscriber base and the increase that they've seen there, but it also talks a little bit about the acquisition, the Activision Blizzard acquisition and what that means for the industry as a whole. And what they're trying to do is change the narrative that's out in the market with this. And what I mean by that is, you know, the whole thing right now has been, well, how does this affect uh, Sony? How does this affect Nintendo? How does it affect like really the big three companies that are out there with gaming consoles? And how it creates somewhat of a monopoly in a sense uh, for them specifically. 
And what they're trying to do now is say, well, no, like with with this acquisition, it affects mobile gaming, too. It affects what we do with Apple Arcade and gives consumers all these options. But the thing that they're missing here is that we already have options for mobile and we already have options, you know, for PC uh, that are already out there. So, you know, when you consider Game Pass on PC, you have Steam, you have Epic Game Store, you've got uh, Apple Arcade out there for mobile, like you've got all of these other options that are present. It seems like they're trying to say, you know, oh, well, stay away from like the the console aspect. Like, no, that's just not all of it. Like there's also this too, to try and justify this overall acquisition, which I think is interesting, like that they're trying to do this. But I think people are also starting to read between the lines and, you know, and I, I don't know necessarily that it's going to change people's perception on what they're doing with the acquisition. I think it does because like consoles are not going to be around. Like we see them now, like this could really be the last generation of physical media based games in general. Like at that point, it just becomes a box that you buy digital codes for or get a subscription pass for. So like in the future where everybody has their, um, what did I say? I, yeah, I said, uh, you know, PC and mobile are really where the future is going to lie. And like, you know, once consoles are mostly gone, you'll still probably be able to buy a Sony or Microsoft PC gaming VR hybrid branded life sphere or something, I'm sure. So, you know, like that's not going to go away. They're always going to have these companies that are trying to put all these ideas together. But I think that Microsoft really stands a good chance in position to be like, okay, you know what? mobile gaming is where most gaming happens that's where most of the money is the biggest first person shooter is some chinese developed mobile first person shooter like that's what's crushing it like call of duty on mobile is not the one that's crushing it microsoft sees the opportunity to come in and establish what they've been able to already do on consoles and move that success over the pc and move that success over to mobile platforms and i think that you know that's going to give rise to somebody who's like all right steam valve uh epic you know microsoft we built this computer platform we're here to present gaming for it ourselves not just from you guys and then on mobile where it's all walled garden it's like okay you know what if you have to go to the Play Store or the iOS or the Apple Arcade to get your content, uh, throw Game Pass on there. I could play, I could stream any game, almost any game in Game Pass to my phone or my iPad and just hook a controller up to it. And it's way better quality games and experience than I'm getting on those platforms. So like, I really think that them moving into those spaces is going to drive it up. Like all that money that King puts into Candy Crush, like Candy Crush is huge. But are people going to be crushing five years from now? All that money that they made, they could have had whole other teams making wild and crazy things with that money. But instead, that money's just, you know, going to, I, I mean, I don't know where that money's going. Maybe it did go to help fund some games. But I have a feeling that if Microsoft had that, you know, they have that revenue, they're going to be able to be like, okay, here, you know, let's take that and make. Uh, you know, more Pentiment style stuff where we can get a small team from a good studio and give them the money to do what they want to do. We'll release it on Game Pass. It'll go to mobile. It'll go to PC. It'll go to console. Everybody will get this game for the same price. 
Like all that is what they're envisioning. And I know that I'm buying into it, which is probably why it's wrong and evil because it sounds so good when you add it all up and you're like, man, it ticks all the boxes. Like we win, they win, they win. Everybody gets money. You get a game, you get a game. Like it, it's not going to play out that way, but it sounds really good when they spin it that way. We'll see. Now, now you're hearing yourself talk about it. And you're like, maybe John's right. Maybe. Well, no, uh, no. I this is just what I think. Like anytime something sounds too good to be true, then it, it probably is. is. Like I could be like, man, Microsoft's going to come in and they're going to fix the culture at Activision Blizzard, and like everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows moving forward, and we'll get like, you know, they'll be like, hey, man, we're really sorry about how they fucked up the the warcraft remaster we're gonna go ahead and fix that and just like they still can't get halo working right and halo was supposed to be like the launch title for the console and you still like they were like no we're not gonna make it multiplayer even though you can make it multiplayer and the last one that came out we said it was a huge failure that there was no multiplayer so like you know local multiplayer eh, it's too hard even though it's already there like Come on, man. You've got all the money in the world. This is the tentpole thing. Like, there's a lot of holes in what Microsoft could already do in-house. So maybe this is going to be too much. Maybe they won't be able to get everything together. Yeah, and I, I just don't trust them in, in general, right? Like, we know the core oh, reason. Oh, yeah, they're a company. Don't yeah, trust we, any company ever. We know the Well, I mean, there's companies you can, but, like, no. we know the core no, reason. Eh, beg to differ. Uh, you know, they're... We know the reason why this acquisition was occurring. It was to stick it to Sony. It's to, you know, <clears throat> you know, remove games that were multi-platform for many years and then say, oh, well, you'll still have them for three years. But after this generation and our contracts are done, that's it. Right. So, you know, and they're not going out in the market and saying that, but we know that the writing's on the wall as to what's going to be happening here. And so the intention from the get go was never we're going to go into mobile. We're going to do all these great things to give people options on mobile and PC and everything else, because frankly, they already have those options out there. This is just one additional thing that they can do to increase their overall revenue and take away from the competition. So I'm not buying it at all. I'm not buying this. Like we're the saviors of mobile. We're the saviors of PC because we know what the intentions were from the get go. Um, and so this is just them spinning the narrative as to this acquisition and trying to get people on their side. So that way it can get approved. That's all this is. And, you know, it will get approved. I'm sure. I don't see this getting blocked by all means. It's an American company. So at least in the U S you know, I, I can see it not getting, uh, you know, disproved. I can't see it getting blocked, but in other countries, I could totally see this happening. Japan, like, do you think Japan in their side of things is going to approve something like this through the different government forums that they're fighting? Like, I think Brazil, they had the whole thing there. UK, they're fighting it over there through the acquisition. So I, you know, I just can't see this happening in, in many areas of the world, but well, for sure, I, mean, I can see it in the US. Yeah, it's, I, uh... I don't know. I, I think that they'll pull it off. I think they'll wind up landing the acquisition and we'll just kind of see from there. Cause I mean, if it doesn't happen, then what they're just like done. Yeah. I mean, if it's not approved then the acquisition doesn't go through, it's canceled and then things kind of go on the way they're supposed to, unless there's some other way to like, I don't know, have a partial sale between like Microsoft and Sony, for example, and there's like a shared asset. That comes out of it. I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say I know everything about acquisition and mergers, um, but I can, you know, I can see it getting passed. But at the same time, 
they're having a lot of trouble getting it passed and are right now, like it's clear, but they are because they're trying to justify it in multiple narratives over the last, you know, they had that website we talked about, I think with Barry, or it might've been me talking with Barry, uh, but they had that website they released to kind of talk about the acquisition, why it was good for all consumers. And there's now this narrative that's coming out on, you know, the mobile device aspects that are really trying hard to change consumer perception and, and really government perception as well as to why this should happen. So I think they're having a tough time getting this thing to to not get blocked. And uh, time will tell. I think it will over time get passed, but they are having a difficult time, it seems. Yeah, I just through. the one thing that I really think about all of this is that with the recent history and everything that we've seen, like, I just don't think Activision Blizzard is like good enough to hold their own shop together. Like, I think they definitely need big changes. So like, if this isn't going to be that big change, like things can't just go back to the status quo. Like they need things to be changed there because they have too many big IPs and too much legacy to just be, you know, kind of slowly declining because they keep making horrible decisions. Yeah. Well, We'll see. It's something to keep an eye on, of course, as we always say. And uh, I'm sure we'll continue revisiting this subject for some time over the mm-hmm. next year and you know, potentially into next year. So. Yeah, that's one thing. Like now that we're like over 200 episodes, it's weird to go back and see things that have come like full circle. Like I was just thinking about this the other week with um, the Steam Deck. Like yeah. I can go back, find our episode where we first heard about the Steam Deck. And now they're already caught up to supply where you can order it and it'll be there in like a few weeks or a month or whatever. Like they're not like these long, huge delays anymore. And it's like, I feel like the switch just got done with that. And the PS five still not out of that. And the steam deck is like the youngest of all of those. Well, even the play date, we had the play date. We were talking about that before we changed our logo, you know, mm-hmm. and we had like the, the split yeah. screen and like the image of stuff on our YouTube. Um, I don't remember when, but that was like, I want to say before we had even a hundred episodes, we had talked about the play date. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder where they are on the supplies for that, man. I have not been keeping up with my play date. I I have not played it in weeks. So sounds like you should. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things. Then you have recent pickups every week. Well, I mean, I think the season's all done. Oh, gotcha. So I've technically picked up all the games. I just have not opened and played them yet. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into our inflation deflation for this week, which is Contra Legacy of War. It was developed by Appaloosa Interactive, published by Konami of America, designed by uh, Lazio. I don't know how to pronounce this. We're going to say Zentoriami or Zentorii. Uh, and then Zoltan Yorfi is the one that designed it as well. I'm pretty sure I got the other last name right. Good job, John. You you seem like you got pretty close on there. I was smiling and cheering you on. Yeah, yeah. You do these things on purpose. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if this is just two random-ass names that he pulled out of a hat to make me fumble. Oh, right. Um, It was released in November of 1996. It is a third-person shooter. And the reception uh, is anywhere from, I saw a 3.5 out of, or no, actually it was like a four out of five and then a six out of 10 on average is what I was seeing. Um, So as we said, we played a little bit of this and I'll dive into my experience. So I always like to talk about music, art, controls, and an overall perception, right? 
music was great. I actually really liked the music on here. Um, really kind of got you into it. The uh, artwork. Um, it's kind of at like, you have like obviously a top down view and the graphics are a little scattered because it is that PS1, like just the polygons that are tied to that um, in that older generation of gaming. Uh, makes it a little difficult, but it actually seems pretty good overall. Like it still translated well. You know, I knew what was on screen. I knew it was coming up. I didn't feel camera angles were bad at all. I felt that they were actually pretty good for me. Um, so yeah, I was fine with that. Um, let's see, control wise. It was a little hectic on the controls. Like there were times when moving around, it was hard to hit my target. Um, I think that if I'm to play it again, I need to modify the control. So I'm jumping with X and I am shooting with circle. Uh, that's one thing I noticed, or maybe shooting with square. I mean, uh, X and then jumping with square. And the reason I bring that up is because the default controls have you shooting with X and then jumping a circle. And if you are a gamer, you know that it's much easier to go ahead and hold with the base or like really the center area of your thumb to shoot and then jump with the tip of your thumb on square versus having to shoot with X and then uh, jumping with your index finger on circle, uh, unless you want to hold the control in some wonky way. So that's kind of my experience with the controls. But, you know, overall perception of the game, I actually really liked it. Um, you have four characters you could choose from. Uh, the one most notable for me was Bubba, but I played as I think it was Tasha. Uh, each of those characters has their own like pickup for weapons that you can get throughout the game that are custom to that specific character. So I think it's Tasha, if I recall the name correctly. Uh, I want to say her special one was like an electric beam is what I was using. Uh, but you start with your standard gun that you always start with. You can get a flamethrower at the very beginning as well. And then you have those custom ones that come out through that character. And, you know, as far as that, I mean, you get the four characters you could choose from. Uh, there is a one player and two player mode. Uh, you do start out with urban warfare. And while it starts off like, oh, yeah, this is pretty easy. It gets difficult pretty quickly uh, in that there's a lot of enemies hitting you from different directions. And unlike, you know, other Contra games where you're side scrolling and you've got somebody coming at you from the top and front and in the bottom, you've got like multiple angles from all different types of directions in a 360 view. And it does make it a little harder. I feel um, like they respawn infinitely as well. If they're yeah, off screen. I, I noticed that too. Like if you, um, you could skip past certain enemies and you don't have to oh, worry yeah. about it, but then you do have situations where if you're just in that like piece of the level, the enemies continue to respawn. I had one where they just like would not stop respawning. Yeah. I kept shooting, waiting for guys to stop and then they just didn't stop. Yeah. And then like, if you, if you continue to progress on screen, you have instances where like machine guns will come out or flamethrowers yep. really will come out of the ground and you're trying to defeat that while getting hit from the multitude of enemies that are still respawning, even though you took them out. So uh, that did make it a little bit difficult, but it it's one that like, I think, I would want to go back to. I think this is one I'd want to play with you as two player and see how far we could progress. I got okay far, I guess. You know, I Did you get past the tank. Yeah, I got past the tank. Did you get past the like turret thing that was like bobbing up and down and spinning around and stuff? That's actually where I died. Okay, that's where I got to. Yeah, so, so that's like the third boss. Like, so when you start off, you like it's so quick, like the first like level. You just kind of like run two screens, like not even two screens because it's not really a screen transition game. Like it feels like you don't run far at all and you just hit this wall that's like the classic. I think it's from like 
Contra one where it's got like turrets on it, but it's just a pain in the ass to jump and shoot and like try to hit everything and like trying to shoot that freaking door down in the middle. Like I, I did that first level and just like ran past everything, hit the turrets, and then it would take me like 10, 20 seconds to get like four shots on the stupid door. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that, you can't really hit the door until you, um, you know, actually take out the turrets, too. Yeah, the uh, I don't know. The characters were all kind of like whatever, like Tasha was the first one I tried too, but she only had five hits. Everybody else had like eight hits. So that's like hard mode with Tasha. And then some of the other dudes get like seeking rockets and stuff, which are pretty good weapons. Um. I really like the way it looks. It looks great. It's really interesting, like angle and approach. But I just feel like I would like this if it was a slower paced, less arcadey game with like some of that same kind of stuff going on. Like that's it's just too much. It's too hectic. It's too weird with the angles to try to get things and like trying to shoot stuff is like just a pain. Well, that's I really, I, think, I really wasn't a fan. That's where I think like with two players, it, you'd probably get a better experience out of it. Cause like, as I was playing, I can envision like if we were both playing, I'd say, Hey, look, I'm going to take the right. You take the left. We know that there's a turret coming out of the ground up here soon. Like you focus on that. I'll focus on this other enemy coming out. So like, I think you could have some more like in-person coordination that can really help uh, move forward in this game. But as a one player game, it is pretty hectic and it is pretty difficult uh, to move forward. But I could like I had the a decent... turning is weird. Yeah. So did you figure weird. out like the locking your like yeah, I did, turn yeah. and stuff? Uh-huh. So I don't know that that works on every gun or something. Because like as I was playing different characters, because I played every character at least hmm. once and I got like a bunch of the different weapons because like where that tank is, there's a spot that you can break right above it. That'll give you three. Mm -hmm. So you can like basically get all the weapons in that first area. So I was trying out the different ones to see what did what, but like some of them, I couldn't get the like trigger to work to like lock me into facing that direction and keep shooting. So yeah, I, I really didn't focus on locking. Um, what I was focusing on is just knowing what was coming up next and then where I could duck as needed and the types of enemies. I never I could ducked. So I ducked on the tank, actually. And you can beat the tank by just ducking. Oh, I just ran around in circles. <laughs> yeah, I started to. And then the tank got in like this one top left corner and I just yeah. ducked and it couldn't hit me. And That's so it. I just shot it. So like there there were ways to like get around certain things uh, yeah. within the game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... It's difficult, you know, but I think like any game like this, uh, this type of game in particular, over time you get better. You There's predictive aspects of it where you know certain enemies are coming in, you know how to yeah. dodge certain bullets, and it, it gets easier as you continue to progress. I just but don't I, like these trial and error games. I really think if we would have played two players in this, we would have had a hell of a lot better time playing it. I just do. Um so I, I think this is one for us to kind of revisit down the road. Yeah. Um, there's other games that we need to revisit. Uh, Vampire Hunt or whatever it is, or Vampire Night. Yeah. I forget the name of it, but, you know, a gun game that we played a long time ago. So I think there's an opportunity for us to really dive into some other titles here. Um, again, yeah, that was time. two houses ago for you. That was, Oh, my God, that was two houses ago. For <laughs> <me>. <laughs> yeah, we were playing on that little CRT TV for a while. So, um, all right. Well, brass tax, man. Uh, 
Complete in box, you're looking at 1629. That peaked at 2199 February of 2022. It's trending upwards. Um, I would say that, you know, obviously we're in that bottom, you know, the bottom of a peak right now. Yeah. Uh, so we're in that little valley. Uh, you've got a loose copy will run you at 891 right now. That peaked at 965 in July of 2016. And that's trending up right now. Um, it's not available digitally. It's not available on PC. Oh, well, I guess technically it can be if you really want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, you could get a ROM of anything, but like, yeah. there's no, there's no other way to officially play this other than the PS one disc. It's not on the yeah. Contra collections that have been released. It's just there. So that's kind of uh, a cool thing. I would have made it think that it might've been a little bit more than this, but it's kind of a crap game. <laughs> I guess nobody really, uh, cares nobody cares about contra so on a complete in box perspective you know i think it's worth 15 bucks so i think it's uh, deflated or inflated in that respect however you know if you really want to play this game and you can buy a loose copy for under ten dollars i think it's worth it to buy a loose copy at 10 bucks you know I don't necessarily think that you need to have the case or anything for this game to experience it. I think this is one that you could just go loose. You could enjoy it and just bring a friend over and play some Contra Legacy of War. I, you know, I, I think you might be making it out to be a little worse than it actually is. Um, in fact, my perception when I jumped in was I had heard many people say this is the worst Contra game of all time, apparently. Mm. Um, and it, it isn't. It's far from it, actually, in my opinion. So, you know, I... God, I even kind of want to change to just right on complete in box. Oh, actually, it is available on Sega Saturn. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. I What's guess I didn't look up there? other can- consoles. Let me. What's see. the price on there? Probably much, much more. Ryan is looking up price charting. Sega Saturn. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Sega Saturn looking at sixty two ninety eight loose two fifty nine forty one complete in box. Yeah, so here's the thing. And then there's th- like glasses for it too. It comes with 3D glasses that are 50 bucks. So I actually have the 3D glasses, I think, for Saturn. I mean, they're um, any 3D glasses. They're just the red and blue things. No, I know. So actually, uh, to talk about the development aspect of this game, uh, it was actually supposed to be released in Japan and it got canceled in Japan. The other part was when this was being shown at different shows, um, they tried to make it out like, the 3D glasses were like this big piece that were going to make it. It was going to make it super cool and the graphics would be enhanced. Turned out that was just a gimmick. It didn't actually do anything for the graphics and gameplay and experience. So people shit all over it because of that. Yeah, it didn't seem like the game had that kind of visuals. Yeah, it didn't seem like it at all. <laughs> so um, I, I would have to say if you're looking at Sega Saturn versus PlayStation and you have to decide I want to play one or the other. I would go PS one all day long in this one. Yeah. I mean, from a collector's uh, affordability standpoint, definitely. And you know, I mean, what is it? 16 bucks. No way. It's worth 16 bucks. I'm saying this is inflated. Really? You think so? Yeah. All right. We'll go with inflated for, for now, but, um, Ryan, I think in due time, if we play two players, you will uh, change your mind on this one. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I mean, I'm just like looking here like that's. I mean, I guess it has been up. 
This is about where it's been for quite a while. I guess like 15 bucks is fine. There you go. There you go. It's still inflated, but you're getting close. Yeah. <laughs> inflated. Inflated. All right. So next week, I imagine you'll be coming over here yeah. uh, to play a game. So I don't know why, but like I'm feeling a Wii game. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Let's waggle away. Yeah, let's waggle away of some sort of Wii game. Find something um, better than like the last one. Like the last Wii game that I remember was like Samba de Amigo. Is that what it was? I don't know. The one that always oh. sticks out in my mind is that Kiwi game that was weird. Oh yeah, yeah. We did play Ivy to Kiwi. Or that other game that was weird. We we played a lot of weird. There's a lot of there's a lot of titles on Wii. Do I own Red Steel? I don't know if I do. Oh, man, Red Steel. I don't think I've played that since like it came out. Yeah, I think I own Red Steel. There's also like Trauma Center. I want to say I have that. I got some interesting games. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see what's available fun. to us. Yeah, we'll see what's there. All right. Well, uh, all of that said, this has been episode 208 of the Game Flares podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. <laughs>